Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. I think you are such a hard worker, and then you, oh, thank you make these all of the content you make. Like, you have to be literally in front of a screen all day, every day. I, yeah, I spent, it's you like, a break. it's a very harsh reality to realize that you're spending more time in front of screens than you are just like, I don't know, touching grass. Like, I just I just needed days off where I was, like, going outside and going for walks. I'm actually upset because I didn't get to take a walk today. <laughs> and it's already dark outside. Oh, gosh. What can you do, though? But I'm back. I'm do? excited. Yeah. Uh, I'm living. Um, I have an editor, and that's got, that gave me a new boost of energy because I'm like, Thank God. Oh, oh, shit. I'm like, let's, like, pump <laughs> out more content. Let's go harder. <laughs> So, well, yes. I, I just filmed a video on Missy Beavers. I finally did one for YouTube. So I had to go and I had to go back and relive that case all over again. No. The video I've never sent you because you've seen the footage from inside the church, mm-hmm. which is creepy as hell. I had to review the footage from the actual sporting goods store with the car <gasps> that came in. And like, it's so weird, Sue. Like, comes in, headlights on, then headlights off. Parks in the dark, then puts the headlights on, then parks under a lamp. And... The person who was analyzing, because it was like um, footage that was being analyzed, and there are sleuths who do a way better job than I do on YouTube with that case, because this video was like five hours covering the case. And they did like frame by frame analyze this video of this car. There are several, several moments in that video where you can possibly see two people in the car. Which would explain why the driver's side seat was all the way back for a tall person, even though we know the person who did this to Missy was like 5'2 to 5'7. Husband and wife, maybe? I really think it's that husband and wife that you were talking about at the end of the episode. Well, I thought so too. And then he brought that up, this person that I... God, I'm blanking on the name, but I'm going to find it. He's a web sleuth and he does stuff like this. And he actually did a side-by-side comparison um, of the body type of the wife... And the mm-hmm. person caught on camera, the legs are too thin. There's no way it could be her. Ugh. The legs are, it's just like the body type. It's like big, big upper body, but then like short little legs. That's the thing yeah. that runs in my family, like on the Polish side. It's like yeah. we pack weight <laughs> on the upper body and we have these like fit legs. Yeah. Oh, same. <laughs> <laughs> so that's what I've been doing. I've been locked into that. But how are you? I'm doing well. I feel like it was a pretty stressful time there for God knows what reason. And then <laughs> it feels like things have kind of leveled out a little bit. Well, here I am to actually ruin all of that for you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, like, the go story ahead and send, the I'm like, send me back down into a spiral, please. <laughs> well, so this one isn't technically a true crime case that I'm going to cover. I'm going to change up the pace for you a little bit. Okay. Oh, okay. So if you remember last time you had two requests, you were like, I want a case that's older. Mm-hmm. And maybe just something that's a little bit different. So not necessarily like a true crime case or where we have kind of a definitive outcome with the victims. Although I suppose in this case we do. But yeah, I'm sure you've heard of it. And if you haven't, I will be blown away. Have you heard of Diatlov Pass? Say that again. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds like you said Diablo Pass. Close enough. Um, Dia- no, Diatlov Pass. Diatlov Pass. Is that Otherwise like an known actual as... passageway? No, no. Surprisingly, I always thought it was too when I heard the case, but it's actually the last name of one of the victims in this case, Igor Diatlov, which is Russian. Oh, I was going to say, it sounds like some like Russian like highway or something. It's but... very Russian, darling. Yeah. Very Russian. Oh, I know. I have not heard of this. Really? Maybe I... I find that shocking. And I think maybe as I explain the top line of it, you'll be like, oh, I know. It's also called Dead Mountain. You ever heard of Dead Mountain? Dead Mountain. No. So this took place in the the Ural Mountains, I think that was called. Let me look at my research. Yeah, the Ural Mountains, which is known by the indigenous people who live in that area, the Mansi people, as Dead Mountain. Nothing? (laughs) 
Nothing, baby. Yes. Oh, I'm so excited. This is I'm gonna like, be good. my Russian knowledge is like Anastasia and Rasputin. And that's all you need. This is incredible. Oh my. Okay, I'm so excited. This is. You have to understand. Like you saying this is to me like someone saying I've never heard of John Benet Ramsey. Oh my like, god. This case is wild, Stu. And it's. We're gonna dabble a little bit outside of the the realm of logical explanations i would say some of the theories on this have to do with extraterrestrial <laughs> i've also realized while i was researching this that if you want someone if you're like explaining a theory to somebody and you want them to take it seriously i opt for the word extraterrestrial over aliens <laughs> <laughs> i can't I... take myself seriously <laughs> well i'm gonna debunk that for you because now all i can think of is the Katy perry song <laughs> the second okay. you said that it was like it's so I know you shot me right back to what did that song come out were we in high school were we in college I think it was college really I always what? get that and Dark Horse mixed up it was like no it was off the same album though I'm pretty sure okay okay this is um, turning into Katy Perry trivia yeah oh my god that's unbelievable that we can shift from Diablo Dead Mountain from the 19- a case from the 1950s to Katy Perry's Dark Horse and E.T. featuring Kanye West. Can't live for the <laughs> oh, we are wild, dude. Okay. <laughs> All right. So this is very exciting. I'm I'm gonna dive in because I I I'm like like excited right now. I'm giddy that you don't know about this. Okay. Are you ready? I'm ready. Okay, so this is the mystery of Dyatlov Pass. I'm going to set you up with a quick top line just to refresh your memory if you have heard it in the past. If not, that's even better. So, in 1959, a group of 10 highly experienced Soviet mountain climbers, including two women and eight men, had ventured on a snow expedition in the Ural Mountains, which is otherwise known by the indigenous people as Dead Mountain or this particular part of the mountain is. So one of them actually left the trip early due to some health issues and some joint pain. So the remaining nine continued on the climb and eventually set up a tent to camp, which we believe was either on the night of February 1st or February 2nd. The timeline is a little murky. So after they never returned back from their climb, a rescue team was sent to go look for them, which found their campsite and eventually all nine of the hikers dead. The campsite was found with the tent partially collapsed, having been cut from the inside out. Freaky, right? Two of the bodies were found a mile from the campsite wearing nothing but their underwear. Then three more of the bodies were found in a different location near the tree line, one with a fractured skull. And the remaining four bodies were found about two months later. Uh, One of these bodies, one of these four bodies that was found, had a severely fractured skull. And then two of the other bodies had clear signs of blunt force trauma, including crushed ribs, which was determined to be from a force stronger than what a human could do. And the woman in this group was found with a severe trauma and to be missing her tongue, eyes, and eyebrows. Yes. Uh, Oddly enough, this group of four was actually wearing all of the clothing of the bodies that had previously been found with their clothes. And even stranger than that, significant levels of radiation were found in the area of the campsite and on the clothing of one or two of the hikers. This case um, was, like, unbelievable at the time. It received international coverage, and the, the circumstances were just so unbelievably strange that even to this day... There is endless debate as to what really happened in those mountains on that February night, which is what is now called the Diatlov Pass incident. First thoughts. I'm thinking that there were like, yeah, I'm I'm going into like 28 days later zombie territory mm-hmm. with like radiation, cannibalism, like the whole like unnatural that injuries. Just sounds, it's yes, wild. Oh my god. I, and I mean, the circumstances of the setup of this is just menacing in and of itself. I 
I don't really understand, and you can tell me how you feel about this, but I don't really understand the idea of people who choose to go camping or on expeditions or hiking through the snow, through the cold. I don't... It's got to be a Russian thing. It's got to be a Russian thing. I think it's also um, just... You have to be a little bit out of your senses to want to do that and just know that you the potential to die is that it, yeah you know, it's like free it's like it's um free climbing right you know it, it's, yeah, it's, same, yeah it's the same, same mentality rush. yeah and all of these these students um they were actually students the the group of nine um they were all like pretty young and they were actually very very experienced climbers we'll talk about this a little bit in the the setup of what was leading up to the trip but so much of this is shocking i think to people because these were class two climbers and the highest you can reach is class three in in soviet union at this time mm-hmm. and i think when they were to come back from this trip from this expedition it, it would have been that would have been the certification for class three they would have reached the the pinnacle um but yeah there's something the de- the top line details of this are haunting can you remind me what year this was this was 1959 Oh my god. The year I was born. <laughs> That's actually the year my, both of my parents were born. Um, really? Yes. Oh, no way. My mom was uh, 1960 and my dad was 56. Aww. I remember um, my mom got a book when she was, I think for like her 40th birthday or something, that was like the year she was born that had all of these, um, it had all of these uh, things listed of like what things cost in the year she was born in the year 1960. Mm-hmm. I remember reading that and I was like, what the (laughs) It was like a brand new home, only $12,000. No, my gosh. Don't even get me started. It was like a full year of college, $500. Oh, my gosh. I guess my mom's book would have just been this story. (laughs) would have happened. (laughs) Scary. You should tell the story about a question about this incident well you know me i have to go straight to the personal so i'm like wondering Mm -hmm. what their relationships were to each other like friends was anybody dating like are they just climbing friends like i'm starting to go into the sinister of like did did one of them go nuts did Mm -hmm. they have to kill each other to survive like i don't know i think there was actually a movie made about this that i think approached that narrative and that dynamic of like one of them went off or there was like a relationship because that was one of the first things that people had noted with this case they i think everyone just tries to like look for the headline and try to like gleam i don't know something that's inherently sexual out of it because the thing about all of these bodies that were found is the majority of them were found without clothing so people immediately said well was there a relationship going on was there you know sex going on inside of the tent and like jealous boyfriend jealous girlfriend something could have happened to that effect but Something that I'll get into with the details that we're going to cover for the days leading up and to the actual incident that I just want to talk about now, because I find this to be, to me, this is the most definitive piece of evidence that makes this case what it is. So we know that the tent, they cut their way out of it, right? They cut their way out from the inside. The footprints that were found on the outside of the tent were not footprints of people who were running out of that tent. They were walking slowly. Isn't that weird as hell? Why would so, you cut cut your way out of a tent? As if there's an emergency. As if you're yeah, trying yeah, to get yeah, yeah. out like frantically. And the way it was always described, they were like, they ran off into the darkness. But all of the footprints that were found were footprints scattered in different directions. But they were walking slowly. They were paced. Like, it almost seems as if, well, nobody was found in the tent? Nobody was found in the tent. Yeah, the first two bodies. We'll go, yeah, we'll go over it again, but the first two bodies were found way down on a tree line, just in their underwear. And then three more bodies were found on the way, as if they were trying to get back to the tent, but they were found about a mile away, in, like, positions as if they were, like, crawling to the tent. And four more bodies were found two months later, but they were down a ravine like buried under several feet of snow. I'll I'll cover all this in a second just to like refresh, but Mm -hmm. they were the ones who sustained 
the most like crippling injuries. Like they yeah. had like basically their their bodies had been crushed. Very very strange. So strange. There was a part of me that was thinking like if I couldn't remember if one of the bodies was in the tent. Like if one of them had, um, like done something to another member and was like cutting themselves out, right. and just kind of walked away or something. But right. um, some kind of evidence of like a struggle or something yeah. that would indicate like something went down in that tent. But there really wasn't anything. In fact, what was left in the tent actually just added to the confusion because they were fa- they had left without their clothing and without like you know, things on their body, but all of that was found in the tent. What are you drinking, by the way? <laughs> Actually, a mocktail. <laughs> After last time, I was like, I got I got to stay uh, sober on this pod. <laughs> it's it's um, fine. It's vitamin water with a oh. little splash of lime. I thought I saw a twist in there. Is there a, is there a, a citrus twist? twist? <laughs> a little citrus twist. It looks like a Negr- it looked like a Negroni for a second. I know. I Does it like, look like a Negroni? Yeah. No. I wish it was a Negroni. Um, like Happy Monday. Yeah, Happy Monday, baby. Um, yeah. What it really should be a? No, it's bad. That's bad. What? It's gonna say like what? a white Russian or something. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. I my my ultimate dream for this podcast, once we do take it to video actually, I would love if this podcast came to a place where every episode we had a different theme of the way we were dressed. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> But God. it would have to be of the time period for the case that we're discussing. Oh Jesus. What? <laughs> <laughs> Let me call my costume. <laughs> Hey, do you have 1950s, uh, late 1950s uh, climbing garb? You just wait until I get into the medieval <laughs> shit. I'm gonna be like... Oh, well, that's my wheelhouse. Give me okay, a great. I was like, you got anything from roughly 15, 19? <laughs> you got anything BC, perhaps? Uh, all right, you know all right. I love, a, I love a theme, a costume. I'd make it work for you. I do, okay. too. I do, too. I just... I, th- I think we need it at some point. We'll have to do it whenever we get together and we film these. But yes, all right. Let me run you through. I'm just gonna run you through a little bit more about the hikers, just so you have some more exposition on like who they were, how the group came to be, and like what led up to the incident. So, one of the hikers I'm gonna omit from this story just because he was the one who left the expedition early on January 28th. Let's talk about a lucky break. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'll discount him from the group. Uh, his name was Yuri Yurden. And he had left early, citing chronic pain with his joints, and it just wouldn't allow him to carry on with the group beyond that initial day that they set off on the expedition. So for the other nine hikers, the group included uh, seven men and two women, with the leader of the climb being Igor Dyatlov, which is where the name comes from, Dyatlov's Pass. So... The majority of the hikers were younger, like I said, mostly in their early 20s, with one of the hikers being 38, and they were all considered highly, highly experienced hikers, very, very proficient in this field. Um, Each of them, like I said, was a grade two level hiker with ski tour experience, and having returned from this expedition, they would all have been moved up to grade three certifications, which is the highest you could reach. So these aren't just, I mean, these aren't kids who were just going on a trip, like a any kind of like a a camping trip or an expedition. I mean, these were people who knew what they were doing. They were skilled, they were equipped. And beyond that, I'll I'll get into a little bit more of this, but they had actually approved this route. Um, So the group, after being assembled by Igor, it was mostly, you know, comprised of his peers and students from the Ural Polytechnical Institute, um, a lot of grad students. Uh, They had received this approval for the trail that was mapped out by the City Route Commission in January. So... Everything was pretty much cleared for this. They're, they're really, it should have gone off seamlessly, but something went very, very wrong up in those mountains. They embark on the climb uh, with their gear the morning of January 27th, 1959. And that morning, all 10 of them, they get up very early and they begin the expedition. By that following day, like I said, Yuri, uh, he is the one who forfeits first and he has to you know, carry back down the mountain because he can't go on for the remainder of, of the trek. What just happened? Um, 
Spirit? Yeah, Could this be spirit? Flipped. <laughs> it's a spirit. That was Yuri. Um, <laughs> something just dropped on my desk, like something flipped over. I'm so sorry. That could have been Yuri. <laughs> that was Yuri. Okay. You, when I'm telling these and I hear like a rogue noise, you spook that. I know. I'm so sorry. We need to mute me at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I just get like, I'm like, what's going on? <laughs> like when that janitor was there last time we recorded. I'm telling you, and right before we recorded this, oh, just kidding, right before, <laughs> I might as well pour uh, vodka in this drink. Um, <laughs> I was like, keep it going, keep oh it going. God, keep it going, here we are. Um, I was like, me and that sensor button, we'll become real good friends. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I was, right before we, I, we hopped on to do the podcast, I... Um, my door flung open and I know it's because of the wind and I had it unlocked, but the door flung open and then I heard this like doom, 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 doom on one of the doors down the hall and I was like, no, oh my God. no, no, I'm not spirit, stay away. There is, some, there is something in your, your building is visually the most haunted in the hallways of anything yeah. I've been in because I'm used yeah. to like these cushy LA buildings where it, it looks like a dorm basically. <laughs> so going to a place like DC with like a little bit of history, you're like, mm-hmm. Oh, there's something here. There's someone well, here. <laughs> there's definitely spirit here. I want to come back and visit you. I miss it. Yes, please. Oh, my gosh. I have that place written down in my notes, by the way. The bar that we went to. Was it called The Green? The Green Light? The Green Zone. The, the Green, Green Zone. Zone. Yes. Oh, my God. Those drinks were so good. I know. Oh, my you know, I took Jordan and David there. Did I tell you that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Wait, you did. Yeah, I took them there because I was like, you guys have to try this place. It's so good. Yes. Oh, my gosh. It's, like, always, like, top of my list now if people um, ask me for recommendations, which is rare. Why would anybody ask me? <laughs> They'd have to come to D.C. first and then be like, hey, hey, Stu. Hey, Stu. You know, you know a good place to get a <laughs> to wet your whistle in the stuff. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, that place is amazing. Oh, so good. I've got mm. fantasies about it. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, where was I? So, yes. So Yuri, uh, as we said, he forfeits the trip. He goes back down, uh, leaving the nine to carry on. So we believe that on the 31st of January, remember they departed on the 27th of January. I believe, Yeah, the morning of the 27th. Um, the group had gotten partially off course uh, due to some severe weather, which had kind of compromised their visibility. So they had gone up the wrong part of this mountain to the area known as Dead Mountain. Uh, but rather than descend the mountain uh, to get to the tree line where, you know, they would have had some cover, they could have taken refuge from the harsh weather, they decided to set up camp right there on the slope of the mountain. And this is interesting too, and it's been the subject of a lot of speculation because this was either to avoid losing the altitude that they had gained up until this point, or the leader of the group uh, had just decided that these were, you know, this was a suitable condition on the slope of this mountain because you can camp on the slope of a mountain, um, even with the incline, uh, this would have been suitable to do so if the weather conditions were so bad that they just didn't have time to descend, you know, and go set up camp somewhere else. The following 24 hours to 48 hours after they set up camp is a bit of a mystery here because we, we don't exactly know what went down and the evidence that comes to light doesn't give us much insight. So, this is going to shift us into the search uh, portion where all of this is uncovered. But before I jump into that, do you have any questions or want to talk about anything? Feeling good? Feeling good. You said, you said I want to know what the hell they found. Yeah. Okay. So they set up their camp in that 24 to 48 hour period. We don't know what goes on. Um, but after the group didn't return when they were supposed to, and they, there was no telegram that was received to confirm their return, which was set to be the 12th. Concerns were kind of peaked, but it wasn't extremely unusual at this time for climbs like this to see delays in returns by a couple of days. So nobody is raising a flag just yet. But by the 20th, concerns become pretty serious that something had gone very wrong up in those mountains. So the hikers families demand that a rescue team be assembled, and that's what takes place. Those who were set for the first group of volunteers to search for the missing nine hikers trekked up the mountain following the same route that was planned and approved um, by the 26th, and they located the tent, which was described as shocking to the search team. 
So this is what they found. The tent was found almost completely collapsed and it had actually been improperly set up, which was really strange because every single one of them was experienced and knowledgeable enough to have set up a tent like this um, properly and would know how to set up camp. So they thought that was a little odd, that it was very clear that they had done this in a poor way or in an improper way. Uh, and as mentioned, it had, been, it had been cut from the inside out using a knife. The footprints were observed in the snow that were exiting the tent from the cut marks and were headed in all different directions. Like, none of them seemed to be consistent or with anyone who was walking together. And many of them were just of bare feet or feet with one sock, maybe like a sock and a shoe. So, which is strange because they had all of their footwear in the tent, but if they're running out there with bare feet, it would indicate that they had to get out there in a rush, right? Like, they had to flee that tent. But they weren't. They were walking. They were just walking. It's weird as hell. So there's no other evidence found nearby to indicate that there was ever another group of people who were outside the tent, outside of these nine hikers, anybody or any animal that had come up to this area, which is just distressing because they, they have no idea. They said, okay, well, they cut their way out of their tent. We don't really know why. They walked in different directions into the dark. So where are they? So the search continues down the slope um, towards some of the trees where the first two bodies are found. So these two men were found without shoes and only in their underwear and had both died of hypothermia. But they had also found evidence of a small fire or the attempt to start a fire, uh, as well as broken tree branches above, indicating that at least one of them had tried to climb that tree for an unknown reason. And what was even more chilling about that is that they had uh, pulled some bark from the tree and what they found was residue of human flesh on the tree. Like they were trying to violently climb up that tree and their hands had just scraped down the bark. They were trying to get up there so fast, which is, and they have no idea why. Like what could it, what would compel them to climb up a tree like that? There were no footprints or anything around them, no animal prints. It just didn't make any sense. So then they they go back towards the tree line um, and scattered in different directions, uh, and sorry, different locations. There were three more bodies that were found in poses as if they were attempting to run back towards the campsite. And one of them was found with this severely fractured skull and the two others they had ruled had died from hypothermia. So then another two months would pass before the remaining four bodies were uncovered in a completely different location. Um, and they were buried under 13 feet of snow, um, much further into the woods and down a ravine by a creek. These bodies were wearing articles of clothing of the hikers who were found previously, but it's believed that all of them had died on the same night. So it's, it's as if the bodies that were found earlier had died first and then maybe the others took their clothing off them to try to keep warm or like beat the cold because they all ran out there with almost nothing on. And as mentioned, several of them who were found, the four who were found in this little ravine had died of blunt force trauma that was determined to be more severe than anything a human could cause. It was described in the report as comparable to someone experiencing a severe car crash. What? Right. And okay, and here's what's even stranger about it. So typically with broken bones, like crushed ribs or, or broken bones along the arms, anything like that, there is some kind of external mark to show like where, where the body impacted something that broke that bone. They had almost no external injuries. It was just internal. Like it was like they were compressed. Mm -hmm. It was so odd. Um, the remaining woman who was found in this group of four was also missing her tongue, eyes, eyelids. Uh, and I believe part of her, her eyebrows and her nose as well. And her chest was crushed as well. All of the bodies, they are eventually, you know, recovered and examined where the overall consensus from the examiner is that 
the event that caused all of this had to have been an unknown natural force that compelled them to scatter into the dark and the subsequent injuries had happened out in the wilderness somehow and that's where the case stood at face value could you imagine trying to piece that together what kind of natural force did he mean like that's what that's what i'm saying it's like i I think i mean I wouldn't go as far to say like, oh, it's just a cop-out response, but I mean, it's it's something that, it's just, the, that's the right wording to explain the unexplainable, right? I mean, yeah. there's very real evidence here that their bones were crushed, their chests were compressed, but they seemed to have no external injuries, and only one of them seemed to have her entire face removed somehow from something. Yeah. I mean, and they didn't find any, like, animal kind of like furs or anything in the clothing like i for some reason i was thinking like did they get attacked by something and it just landed on them like it just makes something that like stepped on them yeah i'm just trying to think like what could have actually crushed them because a lot of people have said and you'll hear in the theories for this people are like well they fell down the ravine and that's what caused all of the blunt force trauma but it's it's not consistent with a fall i mean like they didn't have bones that were broken and protruding out of the skin they didn't have markings on their skin it was it was like they were they were just compressed that's like the best way you can describe it um they did i think the the overall consensus is that the woman whose face her eyes were removed her tongue was removed they think it might have been an animal just coming in and eating away but if so why her why why only her no no one else had that that was going to be my next question is if her eyelids and the parts of her that were missing if they looked like they had been cut off or if they had been like ripped off by an animal i read the autopsy report on this um it's shockingly nonspecific (laughs) and it only it only really details that they were removed they were absent um and i think initially it might have been suspected that it was just decomp because it had been, you know, a while since anyone had mm-hmm. found them. But surprisingly, they were, a lot of them were somewhat well-preserved, even mummified, because they had been basically frozen for, mm-hmm. I mean, frozen just in place in the way that they died. So a lot of them were pretty well intact for examination. And even with that, it was difficult to determine what exactly happened. So... I'm going to dip into the actual investigation where we start to look at some of the evidence that they found to see what we can piece together. So because the attention on the tragedy um, of the, the massive attention on this tragedy, the investigation begins almost immediately. As soon as those first five bodies are recovered, five of the nine, that's when everything starts. And they start to notice the pattern of hypothermia, which they believe that's the whole story end all be all. We just don't understand why they ran off out of the tent, but they're like definitively ruling, okay, they ran off out of the tent. Maybe they had some sort of paradoxical effect where their logic was impaired. They're pulling off their clothes. They're trying to climb trees, but they eventually did die from hypothermia. It's the remaining four bodies that added this eerie element of confusion to the investigation because how do we explain that? So trauma sustained by several of these bodies considered to be forceful beyond what a person could do to somebody and they seem to have no external trauma we don't really know how to make sense it just doesn't seem to add up and you know they come to some conclusions like we said about possibly animals uh going in after the tongue and the eyes and the eyelids they're trying to think of ways that they can explain the compression of the bodies and the broken ribs and this blunt force trauma that eventually killed those remaining four. And they're, they're kind of coming up short. But it was determined, I think they were able to determine from the examination of the woman who was missing the eyes, the eyelids, and her tongue and eyebrows, uh, that that most likely happened post-mortem, which helped support the case that this was most, mm-hmm. most likely an animal. Um, because I think her actual cause of death was the blunt force trauma. Her chest was crushed as well. And although it was noted as strange um, that only she had this level of damage to her face and had the soft tissues removed, um, they've never really explained why. 
that's that's not really seen in any other report on this case where they're talking about why she was the only body in that area even amongst the other four who had fallen into that ravine who suffered that kind of trauma and got picked apart by animals and i can't really understand why so the other three they also suffered trauma do you know what kind of like was it was it mostly head, head injuries or internal bleeding I think there were skull there were skull injuries, um, but I think they all suffered something similar in terms of like a crushed chest, like internal trauma, like a blunt force trauma. Yeah, um, that's that's what took them all out. But specifically, I'm talking about like her soft tissue, like the tongue, the eyes, and all of that being removed. Mm-hmm. Why she was the only victim of that? Yeah, even though she was found in the same area as because animals don't they're not picky when it comes to. Yeah. Looking for food and, you know, scraps. Yeah. And especially, I imagine if it's a, a woman and the other three are men, right? Yes. That, I mean, um, I imagine that they probably had more meat on their bones so that an animal would be, like, Yeah, and, I mean, animals in... just don't, even when they're full, they just don't stop. I mean, they, yeah. if, if they have access to it, they're going to go for it. Or other animals yeah. are going to catch on and they're going to go for it. It's just... Yeah. It's very, very strange. But again, the final nail in this coffin to sort of add to the mystery here that I mentioned before is that the presence of radioactive materials is found around the campsite as well as the clothing of one or two of the bodies. That has been such a kink in this story for so long. I think That is so weird. Yeah, I mean, the first thing when I when I hear that, like everything's kind of out the window and I'm like, well, it's... I hate to tell you this, but it's yeah. aliens. <laughs> but I think there is a logical explanation to some of that. I think one of the men had a job, either a part-time job while he was at school, or maybe he had left school, um, where he worked in a plant that had uh, had radium, I think, or had radioactive materials in it. So it is possible that he brought that with him somehow on his gear, and then it transferred to the clothing. Uh, that's the only window in that we have, but I I suppose it's possible. I mean, radioactive material doesn't necessarily just dissipate. It just remain, it remains radioactive for like Mm -hmm. a very, very, very long time. But that was a strange, a strange element to the story that like headlines had gravitated towards because that just seemed completely nonsensical. Totally. Are there people that believe that like that could have caused any sort of like cognitive issues or yeah no one's really cited that specifically um yeah no one cited that the the radioactive materials could have been the source of any sort of any sort of hysteria or anything like that but there are a few theories about external forces that could have caused hysteria mm-hmm. um things that i had never even heard of um i had heard about it a while ago when i first um heard someone mention this case but outside of that i've never heard of these things but they're kind of um they're bucketed into like natural phenomenon Mm. so the investigation hits a wall almost immediately and you know they had initially suspected uh, uh, suspected that maybe this could have been foul play in the mountains from the indigenous people the mansi people who were theorized to have murdered the group for being on their land however the interrogations of this fall through pretty quickly because their injuries were not consistent like i said of anything a human could do and there were no footprints that were found no evidence of an attack or a struggle and and there's just no weight to that theory um it just seemed implausible that all of them could have died under such horrific circumstances and that there wasn't some sort of uh external intervention of, of some kind or something that compelled them to actually leave the tent why did they leave the tent but that throws a wrench in in the investigation and they eventually rule the deaths as the result of this compelling natural force and that ends everything right then and there or at least for the time being and all that had been left you know to review after that were just the items that were left behind in the tent and the state of the bodies so it was completely nonsensical that they would leave their clothing, their food, all of these resources inside the campsite um, if they were, you know, they were running. But nothing was ever found to explain why they did that. Like, 
if you're going to get out and you're going to walk away from the tent, why would you not take clothing? Why would you not take resources? You know, things to start a fire, food to eat. Why, why leave it all behind in a tent that you just destroyed? The one thing that can give you shelter. And they did a bit, they did more digging inside the items inside the tent. There were no substances that could explain any of the irrational thought, nothing in the journals or, or the diaries to indicate that something was wrong with the group or there was something wrong with the, the dynamic. And they even developed pictures of a camera roll that was found um, to have captured pretty much every step of the journey, which is really interesting. I think there's only about 33 pictures wow. that were taken on that camera roll, but it shows everything up until the point where they are actually digging, um, digging to like pitch their tent for this final time, which is chilling. The final frame on that camera roll is something that has been fixated on for this case a lot because it's very different from the rest. It's out of focus, but it seems to be looking up at something that's completely dark, like the night sky. But in the left-hand corner of it, you see like a, a blurred hue of a light and no one really knows what that is if it's a fire, if it's something above them, but it's some kind of a light causing a flare in the camera. Mm. And, you know, of, of the bodies that were recovered that could have open casket viewings for the funeral, they were described by witnesses at their funerals, and I read, I read these descriptions, as very tanned. Like, their skin had a slight bronzed orange tint to it, and their hair had turned dull, almost to like a gray is very weird because they were all in their 20s pretty much i'm sorry they had an open casket for these bodies well you'd be surprised because a lot of them not many of them could not have open caskets particularly the ones that had <laughs> <laughs> their face missing but oh my God. a lot of them were pretty well preserved flesh wise right. because, right. yeah because yeah. they were they were frozen um but they there it was odd because their skin had turned this kind of bronzed color and their yeah, and their their hair had turned gray. Very strange. They were probably just under so much stress. Oh my gosh. Might have been. Might have been. Um, it it also could have been something that we just don't know about from like decomp. I'm sure there's somebody who will come in the the comments and say, no, 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 no. that's what happens with mummification. You don't know a damn thing. <laughs> it's just, I mean, it's just haunting because the families that you know lost everybody, they never received any sort of explanation here as to what really happened to everyone. The case just remained a mystery all these years later. So what are your thoughts on what we know and the evidence that turned up? Um. Hold on. Mama's got to take a sip. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I was going to say, take a sip. I'll take a sip of mine. Um, hmm. I, I, the, the, uh, camera roll thing is so interesting. Right. Um, I I have more questions about um, the people that, so were the people that ran up, ran up the tree or were trying to climb the tree, mm -hmm. we still think that they were part of the group that cut themselves out of the tent or they were earlier? I think that they believed that they were part of it. It was all at the same time. I, or I think, um, because once that tent was cut open, you couldn't last in the, in the elements much longer without moving yeah. if you were going to go somewhere. Um, because they all had different footprints that were leaving the tent. That's right. Whether or not they happened at the exact same time, we don't actually know. But what we do know about those footprints is that it was clear that they were not wearing shoes. And it was clear that they were walking and that they were all going in different directions in the dark. None of them were together strange but the two it, of them those two of them they do link up near that tree and it's like i said it's clear they were trying to start a fire they were trying to do something to try to survive and then they try to climb that damn tree why to see something to go get above ground or i thought it was to get above ground like like maybe they thought there was a threat in the area or like an animal or mm -hmm. honestly maybe it's just so cold on ground you're trying to get out of the snow i mean that that is so strange to me that it, it could have just been irrational thinking if they were cold yeah. enough maybe they're just not thinking clearly but yeah. i i'm kind of siding with you on this idea that they were trying to escape something because you can try to climb a tree but 
for them to find evidence that your hands were quite literally like dug out clawing. from yeah yes clawing to try to climb that tree chunks it was described as chunks of flesh found Ugh. in the bark oh that's gosh. really severe you're you're running from something yeah um but you walked like what <laughs> but you walked yeah well it's like there was something outside of the tent that they knew they had to escape from but it's almost like the, the kind of concept of like getting up in the middle of the night and like leaving somewhere Mm-hmm. Um, trying to be quiet about it, trying to escape without anyone knowing, like, that's, maybe you could explain the running. I mean, the, that's uh, so walking. interesting. No, no, no. I, I hadn't thought about that, actually. The idea, the element of them trying to, like, keep their cover and keep quiet. Yeah. Because it was, it seemed very immediate that they had, clearly they had the immediate need to get out of that tent. They cut it, they left without clothes, they left without shoes. But the walking has always thrown me off. But I never thought about the element of, you know, like walking slowly for the sake of trying to keep a low profile. Yeah. If you thought something was around, something was watching you. And what's really interesting is the fact that they did not, whatever this element was, they did not come to the conclusion that they were stronger in numbers. Like they decided to separate. It's very bizarre to me. So strange. Unless... It was accident. It, it's possible it could have been accidental in some way. Because they were in the dark? Yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah, maybe they, they intended to leave. I mean, all their, their footprints had gone in different directions, so maybe they had just, like, separated initially, but then they had actually lost each other. Because when you're up in, I mean, you're up in a mountain like there. I mean, there there's nothing. There is no source of light. Even the, I don't even think the moon would help guide you. Yeah. Just to me, so that's very bizarre. odd. The injuries I have no explanation for because I can't think of anything that could have compressed a body like that that wasn't a fall unless an animal stepped on them. That's exactly what I was going to say. I was wondering if uh, an animal found the bodies later and just walked across it and then started picking and then moved on. Well, well, that's... The other element is of what was really definitive here. We, could, we were able to determine the cause of death and what killed them was that blunt force trauma. So if an animal walked on them, they would have had to have been on the ground already for whatever reason. So not dead yet from hypothermia. Yeah. They just, they weren't dead whenever something crushed them. It was not postmortem. Oh, gosh. Yeah, well, also, what animal, what animal is out there that can that's heavy enough to do that and not leave some kind of claw mark hair something to yeah or or footprints exactly so they never found any of that no they never found any of that i think they had chalked up that maybe the the woman whose face was was pretty much eaten it had been some type of bird or something and maybe that's why they couldn't account for you know the lack of footprints yeah but still there's something very very off about the, the consistency of all of them dying from like crushed ribs you know so strange um yeah i mean i was thinking like avalanche like something like that but like that seems mm-hmm. crazy i mean well no i mean that's that's one of the most highly accepted theories that there was an avalanche but there's so much evidence to contest it that it's it's menacing um mm. But also, I mean, like I said, the tent was found. All of them were found pretty much above snow. Yeah. Except for the ones that had fallen down into a ravine. But even they weren't, they weren't beneath deep snow. It's, it's the cutting of the tent that I can't wrap my mind around. I just, I, I mean, there is a movie about this um, called Dead Mountain. But I think there have also been docs and stuff where they've tried to dramatize and, and show like a version of like what that night looked like. And the thought of waking up in the middle of the night and someone in your tent is saying, we have to get out now. Yeah. And they take a knife and your only shelter, they just cut it from top to bottom and they say, get out now. Yeah. Why? Makes no sense. And then to go so far, why did they feel the need to go a mile away from the tent? Go that far away? It really seems like they split up and did not intend to stay together. 
do you think there could have been something in the dynamic to explain it? Something that went down in the tent? Someone had something had gone off with someone who was in the tent? Like possibly, like they were like, I'm over this and I'm getting out and so and so is coming with me and we're going and then it's just boom and they left. I mean, could kind with, of explain it. The walking. Well, I was thinking more so. I mean, like, something goes off with somebody. Like, someone starts acting irrationally, which could have happened, I mean, if they were just cold in general from hypothermia mm -hmm. and they started acting, you know, scary. Yeah. It's the walking that really throws that off for me. But it's also that all of them made the decision to leave without clothes. To me, that indicates yeah. that they were all, everyone was either in danger or everyone was off. Like, something yeah. was wrong with all of them. Yeah. Um, and again, no substances or foods or like anything they could have ingested that would have explained some of that and nothing yeah. that was ever found in the journals that they wrote to say like something feels off with the group or like today, like Igor was acting strange and I don't know how I feel about that. And like no nothing to like tip off or like give us any sort of window into the story. It's like one second they were fine. I mean, there's even pictures of them digging the, the trench for the tent. Was Igor one of the four bodies that had been crushed? No, actually. I think Igor had died of hypothermia because he was one of the... So the two bodies were found by the tree in their mm -hmm. underwear. And then there were three more bodies that were found who were trying to crawl back to the campsite. That's right. Okay. Yeah. Um, he was one of those three, I'm pretty sure. The other thing that was strange when they found the campsite was that a lantern, like um, Yeah, like a, a lit lantern was was there and was on what yes i know okay what i know outside <laughs> no. of the tent i think it was inside, inside um inside but it was okay it could have been inside i mean the tent is like i'll show you pictures the tent was like pretty much fully collapsed but they found a lit lantern that seemed to be intentionally left there as if like they were leaving the tent but had to leave that there and leave it on so that if they wanted to come back to the tent, yeah. they would be able to find it. To me, it's shocking that it was still on all those days later. There's a part of me that thinks maybe Igor had directed them to all leave because there was the potential for like a animal or something. And he had a feeling that something was going to go down and maybe was like, let's split up. Like, and then, you know, once this thing leaves, I'll come find you guys and we'll go back to the tent. Like, it's just kind of, it's so strange to me that everybody's split up into these little tiny groups. Yeah. Yeah. If they were even in group. Actually, I think the only people who we'd consider in groups were um, the first two. The first two just, who were found by okay. that tree. Everyone had gone solo, like okay. in different directions solo, which is even crazier to me. That's the scariest in the world. Yeah. Oh my god. I'm going to run you through some of the theories on this because they're insane, but I am going to split this up. So, oh my god, I'm just realizing as we did our outro, we never did an intro. <laughs> <gasps> we didn't? Oh, we did it, but we went three, two, one, <laughs> action. <laughs> well, hey everybody, if you've been listening for the past damn hour, welcome to Creep Time with Silas, Steve, and Stu. <laughs> Um, we're going to jump into the theories on this in part two. So if you want to stick around to hear what the thoughts are on what actually happened with the Atlas Pass, listen to part two of this episode.